Welcome to another edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air, the podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com. I am Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Linda Stein is the news editor at DVJ. Linda, how are you? I'm Michael. Thank you. And I'd like to welcome our very special guest. She has appeared regularly on national radio and television. She's a veteran, a former professor of corporate finance, and the author of Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America, Kathy Barnett. Kathy, welcome. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. And notice how I buried the lead. You are a candidate for the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate, which, of course, is why you're on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for allowing me to be able to speak to your listeners. I appreciate it. And so before Linda unleashes on you with her tough, hard hitting questions. Oh, no. uh, uh, (laughs) Let me give you we'll we'll start with an easy one. Um, so a train leaves Philadelphia going, tw- no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, just the, the, obviously the big question people have, I'm sure you get it all the time. Why is Kathy Barnett running for U.S. Senate? Yes, actually, I get that question a lot. And, you know, the, you know, the knee jerk question, I mean, the, my knee jerk response is, if not me, then who? But it's really not a personal response, but it's all of us. If not us, then who? I think for far too long, the American people have allowed our leaders to germinate within this pool or this little special clique of people. And as we look around, you know, the the obvious question is, how is that working out for us? (laughs) Um, And I often find that our leaders are not as connected to what we, the American people, are talking about at our kitchen tables. Um, and what is impacting us. And it certainly felt that way for me when I decided to jump in for the very first time into politics back in 2019. Towards the end of 2019, I just, you know, I, I, I was reading, um, you know, some ideologies on uh, uh, immigration. And I started feeling very concerned about that and started asking myself, you know, what kind of America will my children inherit and what more can I do? And again, I came to the conclusion that, you know, that the things that we see or, you know, there's this famous uh, Edmund Burke's quote, the only thing that is necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And I think for far too long, good people have sat on the sidelines um, watching and we've created a vacuum and we have people in places who should no longer be there. So uh, if you're one of the people who is there, who goes to the U.S. Senate, what are one or two issues that you are going to focus on? Yes, you know, I spent a tremendous amount of time trying to drill them down because everywhere I look, our nation is on fire. Almost every every issue, every topic, every aspect. Um, but I'm going to just name three. Um, I've tried to really narrow them down. One is upholding our Constitution. Um, our nation does not exist apart from the Constitution. Um, And I believe that you could just start with the First Amendment and look at the five rights. They're all being assaulted right now. Um, And our nation does not work that way. Uh, Secondly, education. I love what Senator Tim Scott said at the state of the, as the reply to the State of the Union redress this year. He said, education is the closest thing to magic that we have in this country. And looking at my own life and my own journey, I know that to be true. Um, And third, growth, 
the economy, right? You can't tax your way into growth. You can't spend your way into growth that this administration is trying to do. You can only grow your way there. And having people who can come to the table and have an honest conversation, I believe is very much needed. Oh, so Kathy, what is your stance on term limits? Um, I am an advocate of term limits. I think uh, you should not, you should not, um, that the only way we get you into office and get you out of office is if you die. I don't think that that should be the primary way of us, you know, getting fresh thought um, and fresh ideas into our government. Um, so I am a huge proponent of term limits. I have um, already said that I will run no more than three uh, terms. I'm thinking two is where I'm leaning. Um, so yes, I'm a huge proponent of it. Uh, now, I understand that the Inquirer had written a story about you the other day, and um, you're sending fundraising emails off of that story saying um, it was inaccurate. Can you tell me what were the inaccuracies in that story, please? Uh, you know, uh, it was a lot of conflating. It was um, not ba backed on actual evidence. It's um, heard a conversation here. So let me, uh, you know, Kathy was here, that person was in the room. So therefore the two must know each other. And now I'm going to create a story about what that means. Um, and so, but I am, um, I applaud the audit. Uh, I am very proud of what um, of what we did last year and coming out of a very hectic and crazy year to be a first time candidate. Um, coming, living through that, living to tell this story. I'm very proud of how we conducted ourselves. And I believe I had every right to understand uh, what went on in my election and to understand my voter role. And that is the, the process that we went down. I believe we need to learn from them from the previous election and we need to make the necessary changes to guarantee an honest and secure election in the future. So you do think that some voter fraud went on then? I mean, I certainly think 200 uh, dead people that we were able to verify showing up and voting in my election would be considered fraud. I don't know what most people would think that is, but I mean, I consider that to be fraud. But I do believe that there are a, a number of um, things that went awry. Um, as, as you may know, I was the first to file a lawsuit. Um, you know, they gave me access finally to where my mail-in ballots were being held two days before the election, uh, we walked in, we took photos and we saw a number of things that were, you know, not right, uh, uh, that were against uh, the rules. Um, and we wanted to understand and we, um, and we filed the first lawsuit um, early that morning on November 3rd. Again, these are the things that we are called to do uh, as citizens. And I believe everyone, every American who's an honest observer of what happened last year and who want the best for our nation would certainly want to know what happened. Um, what I think is interesting is that uh, as I'm traveling across the state, uh, I am hearing people talk about all kinds of things. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about uh, election integrity um, and, the, and the need for election integrity. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about inflation. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about 
um, the rising cost of gas, uh, the rising cost in freight. I believe there are a whole host of issues that we should be focused on. I think it's interesting that this particular writer would uh, try to create a hit piece on me with very flimsy uh, information um, and try to and try to make a piece about it instead of really talking about what people are interested in. So why should the Delaware Valley voters pick you um, in particular, as opposed to uh, the various other people that are also running for the U.S. Senate? Yeah. You know, I mean, if we're looking at the Republican Party, um, you know, we have some good people. Um, I've met them. I find them to be really nice people. Um, and, you know, and, and I and I often say, uh, you know, I don't even think my campaign would have made sense even, you know, two years ago, <laughs> you know, definitely not perhaps six years ago. This political will is made for uh, certain people, people who are very wealthy, people who are very influential, and people who are a part of a, a small little clique. <laughs> and I am not either of those three. And yet, uh, what has been so amazing to me is to see people's response to my story, to my vision for our country. Um, you know, I saw it last year when I ran for Congress, and I see it again translating into this election. Last year, we were running in a congressional district that is considered a D plus nine, meaning it leans very uh, much to the left or towards Democrats. And I only had four months to run my race from beginning to end for the most part because of the lockdowns. And as a first time candidate, no one really knew who I was. I walked out and I just started sharing my story. I just started reminding Americans why this is the greatest country that has ever existed and why it is encumbered upon us to fight for those things that we believe in. And, um, and within less than about four months, a little over four months, we raised over a million dollars, average donation being roughly uh, $55. And, and again, in a D plus nine district. And I believe it's the same reason today that I saw then is that people are looking to be inspired. People are looking for someone who has the ability to stand up against a Democrat. So President Biden was just in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I've just got a couple of questions, a big one and a small one. Big question is, how do you think the president has done in his first six months in office? And the second question is, he talked about infrastructure, but didn't talk about traditional energy infrastructure. He has uh, billions, for example, for electric car chargers across the country, but nothing uh, about, uh, you know, natural gas pipelines, uh, you know, the, the traditional, the, the parts of infrastructure and, and energy that typical people think of as energy. And so I'm wondering what uh, the Senator Kathy Barnett take would be on the Green New Deal and energy jobs in Pennsylvania. Yeah, well, let me go with your first question on how he has done. I believe uh, Biden's uh, inflated economy is crushing the working class. Uh, I believe Biden's inflated economy uh, that is not based in reality uh, is, uh, is crushing uh, businesses. Uh, I have traveled over 700 miles a week at this point. We're a little over 700 miles a week of traveling across 
the state and I'm talking to people of all backgrounds, um, all socioeconomics, um, but specifically uh, business owners of uh, small and large. And every single one, when I ask them, what is your number one concern? It is the shortage of workers right now. It is a very real issue. I have one um, uh, 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 manufacturer up in Erie, very large uh, company. Uh, one of the ways that they have decided to combat the, uh, the shortage of workers is that those in the administrative side uh, have to give up one day or have to give one day to work on the floor of the manufacturing facility, including the owner. Wow. of the shop. It is a very real issue. Um, I was out yesterday um, in a quarry mine <laughs> blowing up rocks <laughs> and um, and I was just riding along with the workers and I was asking them. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I have to interrupt. I have to interrupt. I have to interrupt. Please tell me there is video or photographs <laughs> of you blowing things up, Kathy. Burnett. I know it is. So we'll send it to you. Excellent. It was it was it was manual labor. Um, but it was awesome. I had such a wonderful time um, just kind of sitting alongside the workers there and I um, mean hearing their stories. Um, just I mean our, our nation is just filled with amazing people with amazing stories and we are all so similar right and I'm the only little black person out there and yet the only female at this particular one I went to um, and yet I mean, just amazing people with, with really great heart who want to be heard, who want to be understood, but who feel as though no matter how hard they try, somehow <laughs> they're falling behind. This is very real. Um, I remember that growing up on that little pig farm in Southern Alabama, uh, just feeling like maybe the odds may be against me or maybe it's just too big for me to make a difference. Um, and, I, and so I can relate to how people are feeling, um, like just the weight of that. But yes, I was out there and even as I was riding along in one of the very big trucks, I don't know what they're called, uh, but the one picking up rocks and dumping the rocks. <laughs> um, and I was asking him and he too, and he's a worker. He said, there's a shortage. It's really hard to get good people to wanna work and show up. And so those are real issues that are crushing our company, our, our country. I talked to um, um, a gentleman who owns uh, the largest tomato farms, and he said uh, the freight cost is killing him. Uh, you know, uh, he said it is freight has increased by a little over 60%. So when you're talking about inflation, you're talking about the high cost of freight, you're talking about, you know, gas just here in Pennsylvania alone, almost doubling since last year, uh, when you talk about the shortage of workers, I mean, we're in a crisis situation. Uh, when you talk about, you know, the number, the large number of illegals that are coming through our poorest border and the lack of response from this administration, it is unnerving, especially as you see them beginning to try to clamp back down on law-abiding American citizens and, you know, talking about uh, passport mandates or vaccine or uh, mass mandates. And yet we're just allowing hundreds of thousands of people to walk through our border every day. Uh, we don't know who they are. We don't know where they're going. We don't know, you know, a whole lot of things about them. And yet we see this onerous hand of the federal government coming into our individual lives. People 
feel a nerd. And yet, when you look at this administration, they just seem like they're a kid in a candy shop. Um, let's just pass trillion dollar bills, um, you know, none infrastructure. Yesterday, when I was out there at these uh, quarry mines um, and going from construction site to construction site, that is real infrastructure. <laughs> This other stuff that the uh, that the left is trying to ram down the throat of Americans, that's not. So I don't know when we started adopting the words traditional infrastructure versus what? Um, crazy? It just, you know, <laughs> a, a part a part of like, for example, a part of the infrastructure bill, because see, I actually download these policies and read them. <laughs> and as I look and kind of tally, you know, if we're talking about, you know, a trillion dollars of their spending bill, you know, only half of that, you know, really looks like real, not traditional, just real infrastructure. But what I found was interesting is that they have a little over 200 billion dollars in this uh, non-infrastructure bill that is all about exactly what we talked about last year, abolishing the suburbs, or according to Biden's uh, website at the time and, um, and Bernie Sanders' website, affirmatively furthering fair housing. Uh, what does that have to do with real infrastructure? Um, it is more of an ideology that is being driven, an unproven ideology. Uh, that is being um, driven, an ideology that is not based on reality, that is not based on science, but it is an ideology nonetheless. So that's my long-winded answer to both of those questions. <laughs> I don't think that was long-winded. I think that was verbal infrastructure. That's what I think. <laughs> Linda, you had a question about education? Oh, yes. Um, Kathy, why do you homeschool your children? Um, is critical race theory uh, one of the reasons that you don't want them exposed to that? No, um, actually, now that I'm running, as of last year, when I was running for Congress, um, uh, last year was my last official year of homeschooling. I homeschooled my children for the past six years. Uh, starting this year, uh, my son and my daughter walked in uh, the room where their father and I was and, um, and presented us with an Annie chart where they looked at where they um, uh, argued the affirmative, the negative, and the interesting and in them starting public school. We live in a great school district. We always have. And I figured as they were presenting, they did a really good job. And I patted myself on the back thinking if my 15-year-old and 12-year-old can come and argue an Annie chart to me, perhaps I've done my job. And my job was to teach my children how to think, um, not how to just feel, um, but how to take, you know, uh, good information and how to make uh, reasonable, logical conclusions. Um, and in fact, my babies, they started uh, public school this school year that just ended. And my son, I took him out of public school when he was in third grade. He goes back, he went into ninth grade this year and was immediately voted freshman class president. He uh, made the, um, the junior varsity basketball, uh, taking AP classes. I'm just so proud of him um, as well as my, my daughter as well, doing so well. So I think I So did. the question I think we have is, can we vote for them for U.S. Senate? I mean, maybe we've got the wrong <laughs> one Barnett day, here. One 
one day, maybe, right? Um, but as it relates to critical race theory, if I could just say, I believe it's evil. For those who don't know me, um, I grew up on a little pig farm in Southern Alabama. I grew up, um, as I often say, below the bottom rung of the economic ladder. I grew up in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side. And as even as I say it, I can see each piece of that. I can see the outhouse, I can see the well, I can see the house, you know, boards, no insulation. Um, we grew up very impoverished, but I'm so grateful for my family. Um, I grew up very loved. Um, so I had no idea we were uh, as impoverished as we were. But generally, when you're a child, you know, if you're loved, you um, you don't understand how bad things are. But it wasn't until I grew up that I could look back and were like, oh, my goodness. But one thing I had going for me that I don't see that I feel a little unnerved for our children today is that no one ever told me I was a victim back then. No one ever said, Kathy, because you're black and because you're a woman and because you're poor, um, all the odds are against you. No one ever said that to me. And so no one ever gave me a psychology of lack. No one ever told me all the odds were against me. And no matter what I do, you know, uh, I, was, I, was, I was up in another county, I won't mention the county, and I was talking to someone who leans pretty left. And I asked a question, what is the number one prerequisite for someone to be a criminal? Now, the answer is that you don't obey the law. She says, a white lady, she said to be black. <laughs> I'm like, what? How is that the number one prerequisite, right? But can you imagine, you know, I mean, she says it very flippant, but if I would internalize that, and, you know, I'm a black woman married to a black man raising black babies. And if I internalize that and believe that, then I would have to believe that my black skin bars me or prohibits me from a world that your white skin gives you great access to. I would have to walk into every circle where, as a Republican, I'm generally the only black person in the room or maybe one of two and you know, in a particular room, but I would have to walk into these rooms and immediately feel inferior. And while everyone else is superior to me. And I cannot imagine the damage that that would have done to me um, growing up in, in the, in, uh, under the circumstances in which I did, if I had one more shoe to drop on me. I mean, what would have been the odds of me being able to carve out a life for myself? And so I'm so grateful as I look back to my grandparents. They didn't have much, but they never told me I was a victim. They always made me believe that if I worked hard, um, if I disciplined myself, that I could create a life for myself. They would be so proud of me if they could see me today. So when I, when I think about critical race theory, I think of it through that lens. I find it to be so evil. I find it to, you know, uh, the previous administration had a, had a mantra, make America great again. Critical race theory will make America racist again. And I have no doubt about it. Uh, I believe it will divide us as a nation as someone. I remember my, by the time I came along, Jim Crow was no longer the law of the land. 
but where I grew up, you know, is very rural, um, very Southern <laughs> and very deep South. And I remember my grandmother walking me into our little town. And I remember her pointing out the buildings where she used to have to go in through the back door um, to go see the dentist. I remember, you know, like the, um, the sign was removed of colored only or something like that, but you could still see the outline of where the sign used to be. I could still see that as a little girl walking through that. Um, that's a very real part of our history. And I believe our nation as a whole has done so much to right those wrongs. It doesn't mean we're perfect. We're not perfect. I have the blood of slaves coursing through my veins. That little house I described, my great, great, great grandma Rhoda grew up in that home and she was a slave. I have the blood of slaves coursing through my veins and yet I still stand here saying, this is the greatest country that has ever existed. I'm so glad that I'm an American. And now I believe we're at the, at the precipice of something very different very odd where we can't even define words like infrastructure anymore. All of a sudden that too has become racist. Everything has become racist and no one is safe. Um, you know, it's a very, you know, it's a very unnerving place where we find ourselves today. And it is now more than ever, do we need good Americans, uh, people who love this country, uh, people who want to see others do well, stand up, and put a stake in the ground and say, I will not be moved any further. You push me back far enough. I'm holding this, this little piece of ground. Well, Kathy Barnett, thanks so much for joining us. Unfortunately, we've run out of podcast infrastructure and our new shipment has not come in yet from the Biden administration. So we have to wrap <laughs> things up here. But thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. I ask your listeners to go to barnettforsenate.com and donate. I cannot do this by myself. Thank you. You've been listening to the Delaware Valley Journal podcast with our news director, Linda Stein from Inside Sources. I am Michael Graham. Thank you again for listening. See you next time.